Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner with Zion Hebraic Congregation. Today is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a short recording from my dad in which he's talking about his blog post, Hidden Agenda to Undermine the Deity of Messiah. You can find that on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com, in the blog section. And you can also find there other blogs, which you can read, that he has written, as well as other Shabbat messages that we have up there. There's links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, If you could do us a favor, if you enjoy listening to this, go ahead and give us a review on iTunes or whatever uh, uh, podcast platform you like to use, and I hope you enjoy. Shalom. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. So I wrote last week a blog called The Hidden Agenda. It was on John chapter 5, last part of verse 3 and all of verse 4. And whether or not I proved my thesis that uh, there's an agenda to remove the deity of Messiah in certain translations, that was basically my point and the reason why and how this has come about. So, and I don't know if you're aware of it, but John chapter five, verse three, verse four, and also John chapter eight, verses one through 11, ever since the late 1800s, every modern translation starting back with the revised version, which was 18-something, I forget the date. Basically, a Westcott and Hort, every translation through them has called into question multiple verses, sometimes sections, as to whether or not they should really be in the Scripture or not. Primarily, we're dealing with the New Testament. It does affect some of the Old Testament, but primarily, the battleground has been with the New Testament and which manuscripts to follow. There are basically two families of manuscripts. There's the Antioch family of manuscript, which deals with Antioch, where the believers were first uh, congregated, and, and it's believed that you know that was a, a good, solid biblical hub of theology. There's the other line of manuscripts, which is the Alexandrian from Egypt, which pretty much is considered, depending on who you read, <clears throat> not I don't know if liberal is the right word, but theologically askewed from perhaps what was going on in in Antioch area with the early believers. So this is a big deal. It's a huge deal. And I, 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 I think I'm a little discouraged that most Christians and most people don't really see it that way or care. And I, I guess I get that, but I'm a little saddened by that and frustrated because this is a big deal. Satan from the very get-go, from the beginning, he has tried to call into question what God's words was. Has God said? Now that we're, I believe, getting towards the end, 
maybe the last 100 plus years or so, Satan is revamping his efforts. And I think he's in, in hyper mode to discredit the authority, the validity and power of the word of God and by casting doubt upon it in the minds of God's people. And it has subliminally, at least it's happened. Because if, if we could have a, a new American standard, which came out completely, I think, in the... Well, if, you, if you had the American standard from 1901, or whenever that was, then you had the new American standard, which became a complete Bible, I think, in the 60s, and then all the revisions since then. If you were to take the new international version and all the revisions since then, if you were to take the English standard version, which is the latest, greatest, and newest, and the best, and, and the different editions of that, you would see that over the history, especially like with the New American Standard, the, the next edition, well, this edition that didn't have that verse, this one does. This edition said this, this one doesn't. There's so many changes they haven't even agreed with themselves. This, over the years, has cast doubt in the minds of God's people, even if not consciously, subconsciously, as to what is the Word of God. And, and thankfully, I mentioned this about uh, to Luke about um, John 5, um, verse 3 being 4, you know, that is, it's, it's so, that's why I didn't, well, I almost wasn't going to get into this. But every modern translation calls into question key passages which for a long time had been considered scripture and weren't even challenged. Until Westcott and Hort came along, these two guys of dubious character, we're not sure if they believed in the deity of Yeshua. We're not sure if, if they completely, at least one, they go back and forth depending on which one. They were a team in this. If, if they believe in an inerrancy, one may have been a closet Catholic or at least has strong tendencies towards Catholicism. And these are the guys that supposedly God used to bring the, these, these manuscripts which had been not discovered because God somehow lost them. That's not what they say, but that's what I say. So anyway, all of that, I just want to touch upon it again. So I wrote a blog, Hidden Agenda, about this. And that one, I believe it, it has to do with the deity of Yeshua. John chapter 7, and starting at the last verse, 53, all the way through 8, 11, is called into question in, in every modern uh, translation. Now, what most people don't know is... There was at least, and probably longer, 700 and, 701, 701 years of Bibles in, in the English language, minor translations that all had these verses in them. And so I wrote down the list. It's in that blog that I did. But going back as far as 1175 for the Wessex Gospel, some think it might, those might have their origin going back all the way to, to the 900s. So the Wessex Gospels, 1175, Wycliffe Bible, 1382, Tyndale Bible, 1534, Coverdale Bible, 1535, Matthew's Bible, 1537, the Great Bible, 1539, Geneva Bible, 1560, Bishop's Bible, 1568, King James Bible, 1611, Webster's Bible, 1883, Young's Literal Translation, 18, I think it's 86, I can't read my writing. That's a long time. And God's people believed these passages of Scripture 
we're scripture. Now we're told they're being called into question, like Mark 16 and the last chunk of verses there. So this stuff bothers me. And the reason I'm even thinking about it is because now I'm in chapter 9 of John, which takes you back, I believe, to chapter uh, uh, verse 59 of chapter 8, because as Jesus passed by, and, and so he passed by, which then got me in my thinking to what I had just read in, in chapter 8, 1 to 11, and the whole study I again put into this about this whole manuscript evidence, which then took me back to in my mind to the blog that I wrote. There's a battle being raged, and, and I think it's lost. Honestly, I think it's lost in the minds of God's people, by and large in Christianity, except for those that adhere to the King James Bible. And it's funny, all modern scholars will bash the King James Bible. I've never, ever heard them bash the Wessex, Wycliffe, Tyndale, Coverdale, Matthew, Great, Geneva, Bishops. It's just the King James. Well, what about all those that were before it that were exactly like the King James? Nobody tells you that. You know, we're told that the King James scholars were, in so many words, those poor schmucks. They weren't as good in the languages as we are now. They didn't have available to them the text that we have now. My words, because for some reason God lost them and sent thousands upon thousands of people to their death, not knowing they were reading parts of the scripture that weren't supposed to be there. That's not my God. I refuse to accept that. So anyway, this is a huge thing. It's just huge. And Satan, this is, this is my theory. This is part of the dumbing down of Christianity slash messianic movement, but Christianity, because it's been long, long, around a lot longer. This, this, this is the reason for this dumbing down. Because you go to any congregation, and I, it may, I'd probably not hear. You'd have the NIV, you'd have the ESV. It's funny, the two guys that I listened to, they, they, one of them switched to the ESV now. You know, his father's still diehard NASV. What edition? I don't know. I'd love to ask him. And uh, so anyway, this drives me nuts. So I believe... Um, so we're at Bible College our, our bookstore, I'm trying, how this is affecting people. And I think, so the NASB came out in the 60s, whatever it was. They started selling it at our Christian bookstore in our college. We were told it was there. We're running out and buying it. Everybody's flying off the shelves. That was good sales for them. Flying off the shelf. And I'm a sophomore at this time. I have a freshman who's uh, just come in second half I didn't see him when he first came, but long hair from the same background I did, rock music, drugs, and whole, all this stuff. They had evangelistic services in between. He evidently walked the aisle and, and, and prayed and got saved. And so then we became friends because of how we became roommates. And he, for whatever reason, loved me. and We had a great relationship. I come back one day, walk up the third flight of stairs. He's at the top of there, the landing, just panicky, in this panic-stricken state, because we were told there's no doctrinal changes, um, and what's there, basically it's just making it easier for you. And he has his, his uh, King James Bible, but now he has his New American Standard. And this is typical of what happened to, to not just him. 
And almost like tears, this look of panic coming over his face because he's comparing and he's saying, well, wait a minute, these aren't the same. It's, and it, this is a guy that's just saved. Now, he comes from nothing knowing nothing. And, and, and it, it ruined his faith and he never came back to school. From that moment on, his faith, if he had it, was gone. This happened to countless people. Now it's been so long, we don't think about it to that degree. But somehow in the back of our minds, you can have a Bible study and everybody's got a different translation and you're reading along and, and you start reading uh, Mark 5 and all of a sudden, well, I don't have that in my Bible. Well, wait a minute, it has this note that the best, the oldest and the latest manuscripts don't have it. It shouldn't be here. You know, Mark 16, what about this? Uh, John 8, 1 through 11. If you look in at least the edition of the NIV I have, it's like a big old blank spot with a note. Gone. So anyway, that's how I got onto all this. I just have to make us aware of this. There's a battle going on. Satan is attacking the word of God. We're sitting here like frogs in a pot, not really bothered by this. This is a battle we should all be engaged in. The problem is they branded people like us idiots because we believe the King James Version. They, they mock us. The two guys that I listened to, they they they. They don't, they would say, no, we don't mock you. Of course they do in their tone, the way they say it, unless it agrees with what they think it should say. And, and their latest and greatest didn't. Bothers me. But we've been painted in the corner being idiots. And rightfully so, some of our people were stupid idiots. I did not want to become a King James Onlyer back when we were still in South Carolina, just had like Coy and, and Luke as our kids. They were idiots, stupid arguments. Come on, we can do better than this. So anyway. That's an aside. Maybe you could edit this, take it out, make it its own thing. I don't know how hard that would be. I'd kind of like to do that. Just Bible translation rant or something, you know, instead of putting it in with this. So, but anyway, please realize what's at stake. If Satan said, yea, hath God said, and it just ruined everything because it called into question what God said, He's doing the same thing, has been doing the same thing. And, and as his time comes to a close, it's just going to get worse. And, and he's flooding it now. Oh, gosh. And the problem is I've been a part of this for so long. And I've swallowed the Kool-Aid. You know, I ran out with the New American Standard. Then I ran out and got the New King James. And, and even the New King James, I had like the second edition. I didn't know it. It fell in our congregation, a beautiful red leather one I gave it to my daughter. I started reading that. It's like, well, wait a minute. These aren't the same. Change after change after change after change within these editions. So anyway, so end of that. Oh, the money is about. And Rupert Murdoch owns how many of these now? The NIV owns the, the NIV. I don't know how many others he owns. You tell me we don't have the fox in the hen house? <laughs> the same printers that make the Bible make the book of Satan, the Satanic Bible. I'm tired of the mixture. I'm just tired of it. In my life and in what's going on and in the lives of God's people and in the churches and in the Messianic movements, we're just a stinking mixture. And it goes back to the dilution of the word of God that's left us not knowing who we are as God's people. We can't fight for anything. Now we're, we can't even speak out against Catholicism because so many people are involved in that and Christians and don't see anything wrong with it. And of course they're saved. They're our brothers and sisters in Yeshua. No! <laughs> 
Then, all right, so Luke, you can stop this, now I'm done. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie away. away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and zeal.